John chapter number 19. And if you're able to stand in reverence to the Word of God in prayer, John chapter number 19, we'll read a few verses and then pray and then you can be seated. John chapter number 19 and then we'll begin reading here in verse number 1. Let you find your place. Begin reading in verse number 1. The Bible said, Then Pilate therefore took Jesus and scourged him. And the soldiers planted a crown of thorns and put it on his head, and they put on him a purple robe. And said, Hail, King of the Jews. And they smote him with their hands. Pilate therefore went forth again and saith unto them, Behold, I bring him forth to you, that ye may know that I find no fault in him. Then came Jesus forth wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate saith unto him, Behold the man. When the chief priests therefore and the officers saw him, they cried out, saying, Crucify him, crucify him. Pilate saith unto them, Take ye him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. Let's bow for prayer, then you can be seated. Father, Lord, I do want to thank you tonight for the privilege and the opportunity to be in your house amongst your people. Lord, thank you, God, for how that we've been reminded of Calvary. We've been reminded of your goodness and your mercy. Lord, certainly tonight we don't deserve anything uh, other than hell, but we thank you for your favor. We thank you for your, uh, for your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and for the blood that was shed at Calvary. I pray now, God, that you'll bless the reading of thy word. I pray that you'll give us liberty and vocabulary. Lord, help us tonight to not say or do anything that would grieve the Holy Spirit. God, I pray that you would be magnified. May your Son be glorified. And Lord, I pray the church would be edified tonight. Lord, I ask most of all that we'd see no man save Jesus only. We'll thank you for it in Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated tonight. I want you to notice just by way of introduction a few things that we find in this passage of Scripture here that we've read tonight, one of which that I would preach on. And it's interesting that in this passage of Scripture, in verse number 4, we find the word behold. As Pilate therefore went forth again and saith unto him, Behold. And that word is mentioned two different times within our text tonight, within these six verses here. And there's a lot of things in this passage that we could behold tonight in verse number 1, we could behold the cruelty as the Bible said, therefore Pilate took Jesus and he scourged him. Now, that's a very small verse, but it is a very significant verse. Amen? In fact, if you go over to 1 Peter, uh, Peter links Calvary and the tree there and with all the other torments of the cross, uh, he links Calvary and the scourging. Amen? He brings those two together when he said by stripes we are healed. Amen? And so there's great significance in this verse uh, of the scourge was one of the places where most of the blood was shed. And I believe that's the reason Peter linked the cross and, and the scourging, the stripes there is because of all the cruelties of Calvary. I believe it would be the crucifixion in and of itself and then it would be the scourging post. And so that we could behold the cruelty tonight. And then also we could behold the crown in verse number 2. As the Bible said that the soldiers planted a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And so here we could see the crown of Jesus as he wears this crown of thorns and then there's also the clothing that we could behold as the Bible said they put upon him a purple robe, amen they mocked the son of God as he wore the clothing that day purple being a picture and a sign of royalty and certainly Jesus was worthy to wear that robe, amen and so they mocked him that day and we could behold the clothing and then in verse 3 we could behold 
hold the criticism. As the Bible says here that they said, Hail, a king of the Jews. Now, they were mocking him and they were making fun of him, but in reality, he was and still is the king of the Jews. Amen. But I want to say he's more than the king of the Jews. Amen. He's the king of glory. Amen. And he's the king of the ages. And he's the king of kings. And he's the Lord of lords. And he's the king immortal and the king invisible. He's just king. Amen. In any generation, in any nationality, in any realm, in any dispensation, in any age, and even in eternity, Jesus Christ always has been king. He is king tonight. And thank God he will be king throughout eternity. And we can behold the criticism of these sinners tonight. And then we can behold the confession that Pilate makes in verse number 4. And he makes it again in verse number 6 as he says, Behold, I bring him forth to you that ye may know that I find no fault in him. Can I tell you something about Pilate tonight? Pilate knew how to interrogate a man. He knew how to investigate a man. He knew how to find fault in a man. But brother, he couldn't find no fault in this man. And the Sanhedrin couldn't find no fault in this man. And those that come in contact with him couldn't find no fault with this man. And can I tell you tonight, here in 2023, the world will still have to say the same. You won't find no fault in the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank God he's sinless and he's perfect tonight and he is faultless. Amen. And we can behold Pilate's confession. And then we can behold the Christ. Amen. As the Bible says here in verse number 5, then came Jesus forth wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. And Pilate saith unto him, Behold the man. Amen. I'll tell you tonight, I'm not preaching on it, but we could just call time out and we could go from Genesis to Revelation and we could take time and behold the man. It doesn't matter what chapter, what book, what verse you run into. I'll tell you, there's one man that you're going to find in every book. He's in every jot. He's in every tittle. He's in every story. He's in every parable. He's in every principle and every illustration. He is the man. Amen. I'm telling you from Genesis in the Garden of Eden that day, all down through the corridors of the Old Testament and through the silent years and into the New Testament, it's building to one end. Amen. The world's not coming to an end, but thank God it is coming to Jesus. Amen. Because he is coming again. Hallelujah. And he is the man tonight, isn't he? Brother, we could talk about him. Uh, Daniel said he's the fourth man in the fire. He said he's a stone hewn out of the rock. Uh, Ezekiel said he was the wheel inside the wheel. Uh, David said he was my buckler, my shield, my strong and mighty tower. He's the song of the church and the shepherd of the valley. Uh, Jesus said himself he was the way, the truth, and the life. Uh, he's the door, amen. Uh, uh, my, my friend uh, uh, John said he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's the bright and the morning star. Uh, he's the lily of the valley and the rose of Sharon tonight. He just is everything that I ever need him to be and he's so much more. And tonight if we didn't do anything else but cast our eyes on Jesus Christ and behold him in his glory and behold him at the cross and behold him in his wonder. We can behold his person. We can behold his power. We can behold his presence. We can behold his grace. We can behold his mercy. We can behold his love. Everything about Jesus is wonderful because he is wonderful to know tonight. And we could behold this man, couldn't we? 
And we can behold the crowd in verse number 6. I cannot believe the crowd. They spent time with him. They saw him. Pilate makes the declaration that there is no fault. But when the chief priests, therefore, and the officers saw him, the religious crowd, they cried out saying, Crucify him, crucify him. And Pilate saith unto them, Take him and crucify him, for I find no fault in him. And amongst all these things tonight that we can behold, there's one thing that I want us to look at a few minutes tonight because it's found two different times in this text. It's seen in verse number 2 and then it's seen again in verse number 5. Notice the Bible says, And the soldiers platted a crown of thorns and put it on his head. And then in verse number 5, the Bible said, Then came Jesus forth wearing the crown of thorns. I want to preach a few minutes tonight on this subject, on the crowns of Jesus. Amen? The crowns of Jesus. We believe tonight that Jesus Christ is king. Isn't that right? And you know that every king has a crown. And tonight I want us to think about the crowns of our Savior. I want us to think about three crowns tonight that we see in the word of God uh, that Jesus has. Here in our text tonight we find the first crown and I call this tonight the crown of mockery. Amen. As the soldiers put that crown upon his head they put it on his head with one intent and that was to mock him as the king of the Jews. Amen. Uh, This crown tonight I want you to note uh, that it was given to him by sinners. Amen. Uh, As the soldiers stood around uh, they wove that crown of thorns uh, and they put it upon the head of our Savior. This crown was given to him by sinners. I want you to note tonight that this is an earthly crown. It was made by the hands of man. And this crown represents some things tonight that ought to get our attention. You say, preacher, what's that? Well, when you think about it, this crown tonight represents sin. Isn't that right? You remember the Garden of Eden. Whenever God cursed this earth, he cursed this earth with thorns and thistles because of the sin of mankind and so the thorns and the thistles of this world is a result of man's sin and this crown that's on the head of our Savior represents sin. Amen. I'll tell you something else it represents. It represents suffering. Isn't that right? Can you imagine this in your mind? As they put that crown upon our Savior's head, they beat that into his brow. They beat those thorns anywhere from three to six inches long. They beat it down into his brow and no doubt it pierced his eye, eyelids and pierced through and as Jesus looked at my friend at Calvary as he looked upon a sin cursed world he looked at him with the piercing of the thorns in his own brow as he hung at Calvary my friend it was a painful crown to wear and this crown represented sin and then it represented suffering but listen it also represented shame isn't that right You know, most crowns tonight, people wear them with honor. Most crowns tonight, why anybody would like to wear a king's crown. 
That's what we do when we honor people. We put a crown upon them sometimes. We, we do that in honor as they are the special guest or, the, or they're a person. It represents position. It represents power. It represents prestige. That's what a crown represents, but not this crown. It doesn't represent that. You see, there's nobody standing in line to wear this crown. There's nobody desiring this crown tonight. You say, why? Because this is a crown of sin. This is a crown of shame. This is a crown of suffering tonight. But hang on just a minute. Uh, Jesus never did sin. Isn't that right? Uh, I believe Jesus never sinned. Uh, uh, my friend, I don't think he could have sinned. Uh, uh, because if he could have sinned then, that would mean he could sin right now. And he is and always will be the sinless son of God. Amen. Uh, I want to tell you tonight, the Bible said, he that knew no sin became sin for us uh, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him but Jesus never sinned but he's wearing a sinful crown Uh, Jesus never did one thing uh, that brought suffering to anyone Uh, he never brought any harm to anyone he never did anything that brought shame uh, uh, to his name or to his father's name I mean think about this Uh, here our savior is wearing a crown of mockery a crown an earthly crown given to him by sinners uh, a crown that represents sin and suffering and shame Uh, but he never never did any sin. He never brought any suffering. He never, my friend, brought any shame. Uh, And so that tells me tonight uh, uh, that this crown does not really belong to him. Uh, This crown belongs to somebody else. Uh, uh, This is somebody else's crown tonight. Uh, I'm telling you, it must be uh, somebody else's sin. It must be somebody else's shame. Uh, It must be uh, somebody else's suffering. Uh, uh, Why would Jesus uh, uh, do that? Uh, Because he took that individual's place. I want to tell you tonight, this crown is not his crown, but it's my crown and it's your crown tonight. Hey friend, did it ever occur to you that when they put that crown on his head, it was my sin. It was your sin. It was our suffering. It was our shame. And Jesus wore our crown at Calvary that day. He put it on his head. And in my mind's eye, I can see the blood running down his cheeks and down his face. They took him to the scourging post. History says that most men died at the scourging post. That many of them gnawed their tongue off in pain. They would take him to the rack, the, those three iron pillars and with leather straps. They would strap his arms down and, and they, would, uh, they would pull them very tight to get every muscle and every tendon uh, just in place and as tight as they could. They took our Savior, uh, the darling Lamb of God, uh, and they put him on that rack that day uh, and a man that would be known as a, a, a lictor. He had in his hand what we call the cat of nine tails, uh, uh, but it was really called a flagellum uh, and that lictor would come now Jesus was not scourged by Jews he was scourged by Romans amen and Romans could only give Jews could only give 39 stripes but Romans could give as many as they wanted to amen and Jesus can you see him there he's laid across across that rack that lictor comes with that flagellum in his hand a man that's very skilled and knows how to peel back the flesh and the muscles and the tendons one piece at a time 
Amen. Uh, uh, history tells us that what they would do is that they would give at least 13 stripes down the right shoulder and then 13 stripes down the left shoulder uh, leaving the center of the back uh, and the organs and everything that's around the spinal column. They would leave it for the last. Uh, and if he only got 39 stripes, uh, they would give those last 13 stripes uh, down the middle of his back uh, pulling out every tendon, pulling out every muscle they could uh, with the blood skirt uh, uh, my friend uh, squirting with every heartbeat of our Savior as he took our sin he took our shame uh, he took our suffering uh, uh, they would lay out the intricles just enough uh, to expose them uh, without taking their life uh, you say preacher what are you saying I'm saying he took it all uh, he took every bit of it uh, he bore all the sin uh, he bore all the shame uh, he shed his blood for you and for me they put that robe on him. They laid that cross upon his back. The center beam of that cross weighed at least 125 to 150 pounds. Jesus was not some long-haired, limp-wristed hippie. He was a man's man. And he carried that cross through the streets of Jerusalem. And down outside the city, the soldiers could not stop him. I'm telling you, the angry mob could not stop him. The thieves could not stop him. But our Lord on his way to Calvary, every step of the way as he drugged that cross through the streets of Jerusalem, he wore our crown. And the only ones that could stop Jesus on his way to Calvary was some women who were weeping. Tears has always got God's attention. Spurgeon called them liquid prayers. Some of the best prayers we ever pray is when we don't even open our mouth and we just weep. Then women was weeping as our Savior went through the streets and out the city and he stopped long enough to look at them and say, weep not for me, but weep for yourselves and weep for your children. And Jesus went to Calvary and hung on Calvary's hillside that day and on the brow of Calvary, we also see on the brow of our Savior was the crown of mockery, the symbol of our sin, our suffering, and our shame mingled with the blood of a holy lamb that day. He bore it all, the crown of mockery. Then I want you to notice another crown if you'll look with me in Hebrews chapter number 2 and verse number 9. This first crown, as we said, is a crown of sin and suffering and shame and sorrow. It was a crown given to him by sinners. It was an earthly crown. But when we come to Hebrews chapter 2 and verse number 9 tonight, I want you to notice a second crown. And tonight, this is a crown of majesty. I like the first phrase of this verse. It says, but we see Jesus. I want to tell you tonight, you didn't come to see me. And I didn't come to see you. But I hope before we leave and get in our cars, I hope every one of us can say we've seen Jesus tonight. 
I'm telling you, I like that phrase. It said they saw no man save Jesus only. Amen. And in this text tonight, we see Jesus. Amen. I've seen him many times, haven't you? I've seen him in the scriptures. And I've seen him in the faces of the saints. And I've seen him in the songs of Zion. I've seen him in the services when the presence of God would show up and overwhelm and move in a mighty way. I'm telling you tonight, it's always a good day when you see Jesus. Amen. But in our text we see him tonight. Notice we see his humanity. He was made a little lower than the angels. We see his humility in that. That Jesus was made lower than them. We see his hurt for the suffering of death. But we see his honor. As the Bible said he was crowned with glory and honor. And then we see his help that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. I want to tell you tonight how strong the grace of God is. If the grace of God is strong enough to show up at Calvary and help Jesus at the cross, uh, then the grace of God is strong enough to help you and I for anything that we'll ever face in this walk of life. Uh, But do you see it in this verse tonight? Uh, Jesus, my friend, was made lower than the angels. Uh, He was uh, uh, for the suffering of death. Uh, He humbled himself the Bible said he in Philippians chapter number 2 and became obedient unto death even the death of the cross amen our Lord humbled himself at Calvary he humbled himself lower than the angels but there's an honor in this text here tonight he's crowned the Bible said with glory and honor amen I want to tell you it didn't happen on this side but it sure did happen on the other side amen my friend three days after Calvary Jesus came out on the the other side. He came out my friend victorious on resurrection morning and he showed himself and was here for some days and then he was getting ready as he took his disciples on the mountain that day. He was getting ready to ascend back into heaven. I can see those disciples on this side. Their hearts is broken as the son of God is about to go back to the glory world. He's about to leave and no doubt they're saddened by that and they're longing for him to stay. He hasn't even left and they're longing for him to come and as Jesus ascends back into the clouds, you can see them there as they're standing and gazing up into the heavens and the angels look down and said, ye men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into the heavens? Thank God this same Jesus that you've seen go into the heavens shall so come in like manner. Hallelujah. He is coming again. I can see them as they watch him till the clouds take him completely out of sight. And on this side, the veil is now closed. And Jesus is gone. But on the other side, can you imagine? For 33 and a half years, there's been a vacancy that had never been there before in eternity past. The angels desired and looked into it In their angelic minds, they could not even comprehend how that God would allow His Son to go to such a low degree 
to make himself even lower than them, to humble himself and to come and to live in such a sin-cursed world for 33 and a half years and to walk amongst men that would crucify him and crown him with an earthly crown. And my friend, they cannot even comprehend that. But now it's homecoming day. And now there's a welcome committee. And now everything is put into place because the Father has been pleased and the altar has been satisfied and the blood has been shed and the payment has been made and the purchase has been paid and the account has been settled and his will has been finished. All of heaven stands at attention. They're standing in anticipation as the King of Glory is about to make his way into the heavens and the gates lift up and the choir begins to sing and thank God the the Old Testament patriarchs stand at attention and the New Testament my friend saints stand at attention because the Son of God is coming home and there's going to be a crowning service. I don't know how it happened. But somewhere between the gates of pearl and the altar of God, somebody crowned Jesus with glory and with honor. He left this world looking like a peasant. I'm going to tell you when the veil was closed on this side, uh, heaven knew uh, who was coming in. Uh, he was not a stranger in that city. Uh, but thank God as Jesus made his way, uh, heaven stood uh, and they sang. Uh, victory had been won at Calvary. Uh, uh, thank God uh, the battle was over. Uh, the war was uh, The victory had been won. Uh, and thank God they crowned him that day. I can see him. As he makes his way past the altar to the right hand of the Father with the blood on the mercy seat. The only person I know in heaven that would even be worthy to crown the Son of God, I've thought about it, Brother Doug. Moses wasn't worthy. Abraham wasn't worthy. I'm telling you, Daniel and all them patriarchs wasn't worthy. The only one, Gabriel wasn't worthy. Michael wasn't worthy. There's only one worthy to crown him with glory and honor. I see him as he comes and, and he sits down. I, I believe it was the Father that crowned the Son with glory and with honor. He's the only one worthy to give out the glory. He's the only one worthy to give out the honor. And as his Son came and sat down once again, he was crowned. I want you to know tonight that this crown was not given to him by sinners. It was given to him by a sovereign God. This crown is not an earthly crown. Crown. I thank God it's an eternal crown. That crown, my friend, that he won at Calvary, it's a past crown. He's never going to wear that crown again. And thank God because he wore it, you and I never will wear it. It's gone. It's forever gone. It's forever past. My sins are gone. My shame is gone. All of my suffering, it was gone at Calvary. He's never going to wear it again. It's a past crown. Hallelujah. But this crown, Brother John, it's a present crown. 
It's on his head right now. He's, I want to tell you tonight, church, he's not wearing a crown of thorns. Amen. He's crowned with glory. He's crowned with honor. He's wearing a crown like no world has ever seen. He's wearing a crown like no king has ever worn. He's wearing a crown of all crowns. He's wearing an eternal crown. He's wearing a sovereign crown. The sovereign God of this universe. I crowned him with glory. Woo! Praise God in honor. Hallelujah. Woo! Hallelujah. I say bless his name. I say glory to God. I say bless his name. He's worthy. He is worthy. He is so worthy tonight. Woo! Hallelujah. He's wearing the crown of majesty. And first crown's the past crown. It's the present crown. That first crown was given to him by sinners. It's given to him by a sovereign God. That first crown's an earthly crown. This is an eternal crown. That first crown represents sin, shame, and suffering. But this crown tonight represents glory and honor and majesty. And I want you to note finally with me tonight, Revelation chapter 19. I want you to see this last crown. Revelation 19 and verse 11. John said, and I saw heaven open. I like that phrase too, don't you? You know, I think it'll be just any day now and we're going to see heaven open. Y'all believe Jesus is still coming? I believe He can come before we turn the lights out tonight, don't you? Brother, I'm telling you, this world doesn't hold anything for me tonight. I'm telling you, I'm ready to pull out, aren't you? Other heavens waiting for us, and one of these days it's going to open. Amen. John said, And I saw heaven open, behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he to judge and make war. His eyes were as a flame of fire, and upon his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but himself. I want to say tonight, uh, we've seen the crown of mockery. We've seen the crown of majesty. But here tonight, this is the crown of many. Amen. You say, preacher, what's the big deal about this crown? Well, uh, that first crown was given to him by sinners. Amen. It's a past crown. It was an earthly crown. He's never going to wear that again. Uh, the second crown uh, of majesty was given to him by a sovereign God. Uh, it's an eternal crown. Uh, and he's, it's a present crown, one that he's wearing right now. Uh, but this here tonight. It's a promised crown. I'll tell you this crown's not given to him by sinners. These crowns are not given to him by a sovereign God. You know where Jesus got these crowns? There are many crowns. Amen. I'll tell you who gave him these crowns. It's the saints of God. It's the blood washed. It's the redeemed of God. It's those that have passed from death unto life. Those that have been resurrected. One of these days we're going to give him our crowns and Jesus is going to Wear our crown. Oh, hallelujah. I feel so good in my soul right now. I don't even know what to say. But hallelujah. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. I just want to bless His holy name tonight. Isn't God good? Isn't He worthy? I'll tell you what heaven's going to be about. It's going to be about us crowning Jesus. Amen. Now, sometimes back home where I'm from, 
People will say this, and I know they're trying to be modest. But they'll say things like this, Brother Doug. I really don't care about winning a crown. All I want to do is see Jesus. I probably understand what they mean. There's not anybody more spiritual here tonight than the Apostle Paul. And Paul said, henceforth there's laid up for me a crown. A crown of righteousness. Redeemed. He didn't say nothing about them other crowns. But he knew he had one crown, didn't he? Paul probably got all of them. But he knew he had one. Tonight, Paul said, there's laid up for me a crown. You say, what's the big deal about a crown? Revelation 4, you know what they did with those crowns, don't you? They cast them. They cast them at his feet. Y'all got song books here? Let me No song books? Well, that ruins my illustration, don't it? Let me use your Bible, amen. I won't tear it up too much. Amen. <coughs> and uh, I tell you what, you say, well, I really don't care if I win a crown. All I want to do is see Jesus. You know, they they going to be some people standing at the judgment seat. Saved, but never surrendered. The one thing tonight that people don't put a lot of premium on anymore is faithfulness. You know what God's measuring stick is going to be to the judgment seat? He ain't going to care how many meetings somebody preached. He ain't going to care what size of church you pastored. He's not going to care how much talent we've had. That ain't going to mean anything at the judgment seat. God's measuring stick is going to be about faithfulness. Whether few or many, was I faithful? He's not going to say, well done, thou good and talented servant. Well done, thou good and popular servant. No, he's not saying. He's gonna say, "Well done, thou good and what?" Faithful. You know what people put a low premium on today's faithfulness. And I think there'll be people stand at the judgment seat, and they'll stand there at that judgment seat. <coughs> they'll see him. And you know what they'll see when they see him? His eyes will be as a flame of fire. But they'll see that those brows. They'll see where that crown of thorns was. And we'll see where Jesus wore our crown. And I think when we see where he wore our crown, I think it'll be an automatic reaction. After our life's been put in the fire and the fire's tried every man's work of what sort it is, I think it'll be an automatic reaction to sift through those ashes and just see if there's a crown somewhere. Lord, I don't have anything. Is there something? And there'll be some people that they were faithful to everything but God. Saved. And they'll sift through them ashes with nothing. Can you imagine? To not have anything to give Jesus. And I'm going to tell you something. To not have a crown to give him. And to constantly be able to see him. And see where he wore our crown. 
I think that would be more disturbing than anything in eternity. But there will be others who they've lived for God down through the years. They've served God down through the years. They've been through the trials and they've They've weathered the storms and they've walked the miles. And sometimes, you know, the devil will tell you, is it really worth it? Being faithful to what you've been taught? Is it really worth staying with old time religion when others have changed their course? It Was it really right the way you were raised and the way you were taught? And them old time preachers of the past, was it? Is it really worth staying at that little country church with a handful of people a lifetime while it seems like others pass you by? Is it worth it, mom and dad, when you got a prodigal that goes out there and you're tempted to loosen up a little bit? Is it really, is it foolish to be faithful? I'm going to tell you it's not. Because one day... I think the greatest honor will be able to sift through those ashes. So, well, what do you know? I'm a, I know I'm a failure. I know I've messed up. It's worth every bit of it. And then you'll say, son, that ain't all. Look over here. And you'll find another one. I don't know how it'll be for me, Brother Doug, or you. I, I only eternity. But I tell you, if there's five to win, I'll tell you how I want to go to the judgment seat. I want to go like this right here. Wouldn't you like to go like this right here? I don't have anything to give God tonight. But I'll tell you what I would like to do. When I look on the face of the one who wore my crown of suffering and sin and sorrow, I'd like to come with my arms full and say, God, I'm just a dirty old rotten sinner. You know that. Ain't worth you of anything and I don't have anything to ever offer you, but these are what you gave me. And God, I just want to give you these crowns. You've been so good to me and you blessed me. And Lord, what I got, I want to give it back to you. I'll close with this thought. This probably isn't how it's going to be, but it's how... It's the best I could come up with, okay? I thought, What's Jesus, how's Jesus going to wear all them crowns? Amen. Make sure everybody gets that back. I thought, how's, how's Jesus going to wear all them crowns? He can't wear them all at one time. He's got all eternity to wear those crowns, don't he? All eternity. You know what heaven's going to be, don't you? One big church service. Oh, if you don't like long services down here, you're going to have to have a glorified body to enjoy it over there. Heaven's going to be one big church service. 
Well, we're done saved. Everybody's saved and everybody's living right. And so there's no need to preach. Amen. Uh, there might be some preaching over there, but but we can't, that's going to cut a whole lot of that preaching out, isn't it? But there might be some over there. I tell you, I think I found out something. Hey, some, there's only one thing that's better than preaching Jesus. Amen. You know what's better than preaching Jesus tonight? It's something everybody gets to get in on. You see, everybody's not a preacher. But if you're a preacher, you know what I'm talking about. You soon preach as eat. Amen. But there's something better than preaching Jesus. You say, what's that? That's crowning Jesus. Amen. I tell you what we're going to do throughout eternity. We're going to crown him King of Kings. We're going to crown him Lords of Lords. And we're going to crown Jesus throughout eternity. Maybe it'll be like this. I don't know. Maybe an angel blow a trumpet. So we're going to have a crowning service. Jesus is going to wear Brother Doug Raines' crown. Brother Doug, it's your turn. You get to crown Jesus. He's wearing your crown. And we all get to stand by. Brother Doug pastored Christian school for years. Anybody ought to get a crown for that. Somebody say amen. And he gets to crown Jesus. Can you imagine the greatest honor of all eternity is taken and laying a crown at the feet, the nail-pierced feet of the darling Lamb of God and crowning Him or putting it on that head, the precious head of the King of the Ages and He wears our crown. I think there'll be some shouting in that service, don't you? I think Brother Doug will be shouting. And I think, you know, I like watching people get blessed, don't you? And sometimes I'm going to tell you, I shout not because I feel anything. I'm just glad somebody else felt something. You ever done that? I mean, we have a good meeting at church and somebody get blessed and they stand up. I'm standing up with them. Amen. You say, well, you're just, you, you don't feel nothing. I plead guilty. Amen. I'm telling you, if they're getting fired up, I'm going to get in on it. Sometimes it'll splash over on you. Amen. But I tell you, if somebody shouted tonight, I ain't going to let you shout by yourself. Amen. We'll get in there with you. Hallelujah. I think it'll be that way on the other side. When somebody puts a crown on his head, I think all of heaven, I'm telling you, from one end of the glory world to the other, it's going to be a shout ring out as the people of God. A shout as we crown Jesus a king of kings and lord of lords hey, hey but you know what we'll get done we'll start down through there and we'll say man wasn't that a good crowning service Woo! we'll bump into one of, well there won't be no backsliders up there with it. we'll bump into somebody who's on the back row and said you should have been up front when brother Doug crowned Jesus we probably won't get halfway down the street and the trumpet will blow again. Hey, we're having another crowning service. We're having another crowning service. What's your name? Micah. Micah. Yes, sir. Jesus is going to wear Micah's crown. Micah gets to crown Jesus. 
and we'll shout and praise God all over and it'll be as fresh when Micah crowns him as it was when Brother Doug crowns him. You say, how do you know that? Because church is as good Sunday night as it is Sunday morning. Amen. I tell you, you come back tomorrow night. It'll be as good tomorrow night as it is tonight. I'm telling you, when he shows up and when he is there, that's what makes it so good. It's not the preacher and it's not the people. I'm telling you, when he's there, it's always good. We'll shout and we'll gawk away. We'll get halfway down the aisle and that trumpet will blow again. We'll have another crowning service. Now I know that word means diadem. But it sure makes good preaching to say crown, don't it? Had some smart aleck come up and say, you know that's not what the Greek means. I said, shut up. (laughs) You got anything any better? Let's hear it. Amen. But I won't tell you tonight, he wore our crown. And he is wearing a crown tonight. And in eternity, we will cast our crowns at his feet. And you know what church is really about for the saints of God? It's about us crowning him. In singing. In worship. In preaching. I'm going to tell you why we don't have revival in a lot of places today. It's too much about us. And it ain't enough about him. Brother, tonight, if all you see is me, you're going home the same way you came tonight. But I tell you, when I preach, I'm not looking for an outline. And I'm not looking uh, for anything other than I need him. I need to see him, don't you? Brother, tonight, that's what worship is all about. Brother, when the church had power, people knew how to worship. When the church had power, they stayed on their knees and they came and they had one desire and that was to meet with God. They didn't care who showed up and they didn't care where he showed up as long as he showed up. Sometimes he'd show up in the singing. I tell you, he showed up a few weeks ago at our church. We was having a service. Your sister, teenage girl, well, she's, I reckon she's 18 now. And as somebody's singing, some folks come to the altar. And I was sitting there, and people's praying. And uh, I, I watched, I watched God run out that girl's face. I'm not talking about something mystical. She's just praying. But all of a sudden, I saw her get happy. Before she got happy, <laughs> I saw a glow of God. And then myself, I said, she's fixing to get blessed. And it wasn't two seconds, brother. She shouted. And I'll tell you, three people got saved. I'm going to tell you why that happened. Because God got the glory. And tonight, as long as we come to church and make sure that our crowns go to his feet and nobody else's. He will show up, won't he? Tonight as we stand, as they get us a song ready, I don't even know what invitation to give you other than to say, if you need to come crown him tonight, then you do so. If you need to come, and you don't have to come because I'm saying this, I just want you to obey God. But if you need to come tonight and say, Lord, I don't want anything. I just want to thank you.
Thank you for wearing my most sorry crown of sin, shame, sorrow. I know where I ought to be at tonight. I ought to be in hell. I ought to be a drunk tonight. But Jesus found me one day. And he rescued me. And I bless his name. I bless his holy name tonight. For saving an old sinner like me. I don't have anything to give him. Other than my life. I'm so glad God saves old sinners tonight I'm glad he looks beyond our faults and he saw my need at Calvary that day tonight as our brother leads us in this song if you need to come you just obey the Holy Ghost tonight